Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Mr. bring me a dream. Hey, did you sleep well last night? Oh, no, please. I have to rest for just a minute. I mean it. Did you sleep well last night? I'm serious. I want to know the details. What's the best sleep you've ever had? No, no, I really want to know. It's Denise Catodella in Brooklyn. I don't remember the best sleep, but it's possibly six years ago before the advent of smartphones. Did you know one-third of Americans report sleeping less than seven hours a day? That's according to a report from the Centers for Disease Control. Lack of sleep can lead to greater risk of obesity and heart disease. Denise obviously thinks it's the phones that are to blame. Their easy accessibility keeps you up at night. The light is bad for you. And all the things they say you shouldn't do, which is be on the phone two to three hours before you go to bed, none of us can resist it. Come on, tell me about your best sleep, Massachusetts. Best sleep I ever had was over packed coal in the stove. It was 10 degree below zero day. We bundled up. It was over 100 degrees inside. We slept for over 30 hours, waking up the following night. Oh, that sounds good. Miami, Florida. Best night of sleep I ever had was the afternoon of a 15-minute operation I was put under for. When I awoke, I was confident some complication had kept me asleep for at least two weeks. I felt more whole than I have before or since. Anesthesia doesn't count, Miami. Hey, this is Carlo from Miami, sleeping with my partner. We used to go into these black holes and, and be able to sleep for up to 10 hours at a time. I think that's probably the best sleep that I've ever had. I can only sleep about three or four hours max at this point. I don't even know what it is. The sun is rising right now. And I have to rise with the sun. My name is Jessica. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. And I sleep best in hotel beds because they feel like fluffy clouds. Coco, Florida. Best sleep I ever got was when I was younger and would party all night and sleep all day. Portland says, after sex, Portland would say that. Joplin, Missouri, soft, fluffy feather beds at my grandma Zay's house in the 1970s. Did you know that there is a government office that cares about how much sleep you get? They really do. They want to know when your best sleep was. The pinnacle of slumber. So come on, think of it. Ryan from Clearwater. Best night's sleep I ever had was about four years and five months ago, which was before I had kids. This is Jody from Charlotte, North Carolina. When my kids were in elementary school and I worked part-time, some mornings after they caught the bus, I would lie back down and go back to sleep. I would dream that I was flying. I remember thinking in my dream, I wonder if I'm awake, I have fallen back to sleep. And then I would think, I know how to check. I would take a running start and fly around, and then I would know I was dreaming. Sometimes it's not a nighttime sleep that's the best. It can just be a great nap. This is Linda from Portland, Oregon. We were car camping at the coast, and we parked by a cove, the floor of which was covered in large rocks that moved with the tide. It was a hot night, so the windows were open to catch that precious ocean breeze. Falling asleep to the tide musically rolling up and then out over those rocks is so peaceful. I still think of it sometimes longingly, though it's been years. Oh.
federal government actually has an office all about investigating the importance of a good night's sleep as a matter of health. It's in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And if you contact them, you get to speak with Dr. Ann Wheaton, who heads up the sleep program for the CDC. She says people under the most economic stress also get the least amount of sleep. One third of Americans report sleeping less than seven hours a day, according to a report from the CDC. And lack of sleep can lead to greater risk of obesity and heart disease, something that ticks up every time you yawn. I think a lot of people don't realize that the impact that not getting enough sleep is having on their health. But even short-term sleep, like not getting enough sleep for one night, the next day it can impact your mood and your productivity at work, and you just may not be aware of that. How is sleepiness an indication of subtler, deeper sort of problems inside your body that uh, go beyond simply yawning a lot or feeling kind of, you know, ragged? Long-term insufficient sleep is associated with the increased risk of several chronic health conditions. We're talking obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, coronary heart disease and stroke, and poor mental health. And these are all conditions that are associated with a high burden in terms of premature death, disability, and economic costs, too. Would you say that people who don't get enough sleep are clustered in certain economic groups, certain racial groups, certain job classifications? Using data that we collected in 2014, we did see variation by all these things. Young adults, that's less than 25 years old, and older adults, retirement age, 65 or older, were more likely to be getting enough sleep uh, compared to everyone in between. For racial ethnicity categories, White, Hispanic, or Asian adults were more likely to get enough sleep compared to all the other races and ethnicities. Education, so college graduates are more likely to get enough sleep compared to those with less education. All these things come into play. And is there a particular place in the country that's better rested than another place? Well, there is some um, geographic variation. And adults in the southeastern United States and along the Appalachian Mountains were more likely to report not getting enough sleep. And these are the same regions that have a high prevalence of obesity and other chronic conditions. Um, Hawaii was kind of a, an outlier because although they had the highest prevalence of insufficient sleep, they usually rank among the healthier states. With this data, we were able to estimate the prevalence of insufficient sleep at a more local level, which is something that's kind of a first-time thing. Um, And so we saw variation within states. So the percentage of not getting enough sleep was pretty consistent in some states. So Minnesota and Iowa had a pretty low prevalence of insufficient sleep throughout their state. And Arkansas had a high percentage throughout most of the state. But then there's some states that had a lot of variation by county. North Carolina, Florida, and Indiana all had counties with some of the highest and some of the lowest prevalence of insufficient sleep in the country. Is there a sufficient number of hours of sleep? Is there a standard? Is there a test you can take? (laughs) I don't know about a test. But uh, last year, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and the Sleep Research Society made a recommendation for adults that they get at least seven hours of sleep per night and on a regular basis to maximize their health and well-being. Does the CDC have an opinion on 
interventions that involve drugs, either as sleep aids to get people to go to sleep or these alertness drugs like uh, Provigil, for instance, uh, I forget the generic name, drugs that are designed to keep you alert? Well, we don't really have an official um, uh, place we stand on that. But um, just last month, the American College of Physicians published guidelines for the management of insomnia. And they recommended that the first line of treatment for insomnia should be psychological and behavioral interventions, um, such as cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or CBTI. And there may be a place for sleep medications um, if these therapies don't work well enough, but they have a lot of potential consequences that, that could be bad. So one easy thing is, you know, it could be too sleepy the next day, and that can contribute to motor vehicle crashes. But there's also the potential for dependency, and so that you just, you know, you might take it thinking, you know, I'll just get into a good rhythm, but then you end up taking it for years. And then there's some medications that may impact your health in other ways, uh, such as affecting your insulin regulation. And the research on this has been kind of limited. Most medications aren't really recommended to be taken for, for a very long time. And so safety trials have not really extended to as long as a lot of people are actually taking them. So just a takeaway there is if you are considering or if you are actually doing some sort of drug intervention to keep you alert or to have you sleep, if you're doing this on a chronic basis for, for long periods of time, just be aware that there's no research that really indicates whether that's safe or not, that the only testing that's been done is on short-term uses of any of these drugs. Even um, when medications are prescribed, it's definitely recommended that they it's accompanied by these behavioral interventions to try to address the, the core problem. Dr. Ann Wheaton heads the sleep program for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. Thanks so much. Thank you.